I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Celtics Pod podcast. Brendan is still around somewhere doing something. He's not here, though. So I'm joined by James Holas, a former Celtics writer. I reached out to James. Your guys are known as Snutty Dripping and, uh, or Raunchy Billips, which caught me out on Twitter the other day. <laughs> I got hyped, dude. When you clicked like, I was like, Chauncey Billips, like one of my tweets. Chauncey Billips. And then I realised, oh, no. <laughs> How you doing anyway, dude? That's hilarious, man. So you saw the you saw the uh the the verified check and you saw the name and for a second you got excited. Then you say, yeah. Oh, it's just that it's just that jerk's naughty. Oh, it was a good, double bro. take, dude. I was like, what? you know when like that starts to like, dude, I've got a player like him at and I was like, Oh, I see what he's done to me. There you go, man. Hey, James Holis, disappointing people once again. So I reached out to you after we after I read something you put out on finish line uh, regarding Bill Russell. And that was probably the first thing I've seen from you in terms of written content, period, to be quite honest. And uh, I thought it was really, really good. So before we get into the rest of the show, maybe you just want to kind of go into your thought process and what went behind that article. Um, I just got asked by uh, somebody over at the Finish Line blog uh, if I wanted to do a guest spot. And, you know, it was on the anniversary of how it finished, right? Bill Russell. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just, we're talking about Bill Russell. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do it justice. He was, uh, you know, Bill Russell was one of the, I don't know, he was a player coach for a while with the Celtics, right? And they won all the chance. They, they were winning rings with him as a player, a player coach. And then I, I, we kind of looked back uh, at, the, at how now there's still just not a lot of black coaches and how things have changed between now and then and how they still come the same. So it was, uh, you know, it was nice to be able to, to reflect a little bit and, uh, you know, Pay pay uh pay homage to to Bill Russell and talk about his legacy uh, as a coach and then like how far we've come and how far we still have to come uh how far we have to still go with uh, racial inequality in this country so you know it wasn't uh it wasn't anything too heavy but hopefully it made people think a little bit so yeah if anybody hasn't read that what I'm going to do is once I tweet out this article um this podcast tomorrow. I'll hit the retweet button on that article so you guys can go check it out. It's really good. It stems back to Russell as a player and Russell as a coach and then the disparities that are still going on today. Takes a quick look at the idea of implementing a Rooney rule, but then obviously that's not something Adam Silver wants to do. Uh, it's loads of detail in there, guys, so I'll hit that retweet button on that in the, uh, in the morning just after I drop this podcast. So keep an eye out for that there. Now, with that out of the way, we have a list of topics that we've, pre-discussed between myself and James that we're going to take a bit of time diving into. James, you know, he classes himself as the defunct NBA blogger, which means he's still following the league. He's just not writing about it as much. So hopefully these takes are going to be hot. So we're going to start with Hayward. What's your take on Hayward to begin with? Are you happy? Do you like him? Do you want him gone? Where do you stand on the whole Hayward front? I think Gordon Hayward is probably one of the more underrated players in the league for the simple fact he's been kind of forgotten. Uh, and when he starts like last season when he started rolling, he got injured. Then he started rolling again and got injured again. Like it was, it's just, you know, came back to the bubble. And I think the Celtics were really primed to really make some noise. And he gets injured. Like it's, if I were to describe him in one phrase or word, it'd be snake bitten. Uh, his time with the Celtics has just been snake bitten, you know? So I, I just, it pains me to say this because I, I think 
stylistically and talent wise, he's a great fit in Boston. But for the last what are we, what are we on three three years now, it's just been kind of like everything's been derailed and just bad luck. So I, I'm almost I feel like it's maybe I hate to say it because of his talent, right? I think he averaged almost 17 five and five this year and like great shooting, great playmaking, secondary playmaking. He he great strong defense. He does everything you need. But it just feels like he's never kind of there when we need him through no fault of his own. And maybe it's time to move on. So uh, that contract, I get it. It's expiring. I mean, hey, if he wants to opt out and come at, come back at a decent number, I, I could see that. Um, I see him opting out and come back at a decent number and, you know, for a sign and trade. That's fine, too. Uh, but, yeah, like the bubble just really, you know, put a sour taste in my mouth that he came back. And I, I get he tried. And he tried. It just seemed like he maybe – maybe he just, just kind of doesn't – fit where they're moving forward yeah so one of the biggest things that i try and remember is when he signed he was signing to be the secondary or first option alongside isaiah thomas with Jalen brand and hawford and by the time he comes back after that first game where he hurts himself he's now like the third option behind kyrie irving and jason tatum and the situation he found himself in compared to the one that he originally thought he was walking through the door are vastly different and maybe that is why he's really struggled to kind of cement his place while being healthy and he finds himself as that fourth option so one of the biggest things is one is he good enough to play further up in that rotation as maybe a third option or a second option and two is it just better that he starts looking for another team elsewhere with indiana being the main one that he's rumored and being linked to uh so honestly in a perfect world to me as the celtics are uh are constructed if we can be guaranteed a 70 games of Gordon Hayward, uh, I would rather have him stay around than and people who might get, I don't know, people yelled at me about this, than Kemba Walker. I love Kemba. I love his leadership. I love his energy. I love how he kind of changed the whole dynamic after the whole uh, Kyrie Irving fiasco. Um, he's a really good player. However, uh, as you see deep into the playoffs, you're playing the best of the best. You, you know, the other team is going to good offenses, playoff offenses, elite offenses and teams are going to exploit every every uh, conceivable thing they can. And Kemba Walker is exploitable. Uh, you know, he provides whatever he provides on offense. He can give it back on defense. Um, maybe he wasn't quite healthy. And, and we, I don't think I don't know if, you know, you'll tell me uh, what, you know after this that if you if you have any inside knowledge of that, because he seemed like a little bit off in the playoffs. But, hey, he was out there playing and he was exploitable. So uh, in a perfect world, I'd rather have, you know, Gordon Hayward and uh, Jalen and Jason on the court together with, you know, whoever, whatever big and whatever shooter they can get who can defend a little bit. But Kemba's on, under contract long term and Gordon's not. So I, I definitely think as a, as a player, he fits. Um, is he happy with his role? Is he happy being now Indiana? I, Miles Turner, I'm all for it. I'm a big fan of Miles Turner and his fit in Boston. So if they can find a, a way to make that happen. You heard about this talk about Drew Holiday, which I don't know if they want Gordon Hayward. I think he'd fit there too. I think he'd fit a lot of places, you know. So I don't know. It, it, that that expiring contract gives Danny Ainge a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of leeway and options. And we know that he he's not going to be, you know, it's not there's no loyalty in basketball. It's a business, and he'll treat it as such. So I, I have faith he'll do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're looking at Indiana, there's so many pieces that can come back in that deal that improve Boston on areas of need. One of the trades that I've came up with, and I know people are looking more along the lines of Doug McDermott, but one of the ones I like is Gordon Hayward and Carson Edwards for Miles Turner and TJ Warren. 
Money what? I like it. I like it because what as we see, Boston is sorely lacking a scorer off the bench. Like that just basically torpedoed us in the uh, the Celtics in the playoffs, where they just they go long drops, where you know with just Jalen on the floor and you know maybe whatever like Jalen and not Jason and Kemba, like there's just huge scoring droughts. So yeah, that seems to be like the problem was that they didn't mind having a bit of a weak bench because they were banking on everybody to be relatively healthy throughout the season. Then you can have two on and two off to stagger you starting four between two different lineups. As soon as one gets injured, that puts a whole heap more pressure on the bench to perform. And they just didn't have somebody that could come in and score 12 to 15 off the bench every night. And that is their biggest issue. But then the question is, do, do you want TJ Warren to do that? Or do you want Doug McDermott to do that? And who's going to fit better with that system? I think you 100% want TJ Warren. He's a proven commodity where Doug McDermott is fine. And I guess where, because to me, um, I think the thing wasn't so much 15 off the bench. It was uh, the lack of shooting off the bench. That was my thing, I think. So I'd be fine with either. Uh, TJ, I think, would be a, I don't know, hey, like you said, 10 to 15. He's going to, he showed his he, last couple of seasons, he can hit threes. So that's not a problem. And with Doug uh, McDermott, you have a guy who is, you know, it, it's his strong his strong point is his shooting. He has pretty decent size. Um, I don't think defensively he's really what you want. And TJ is not either, but at least TJ has the size to, you know, maybe be in the system and, and help things out. So I probably prefer TJ, but I wouldn't be upset at Doug McDermott either. Yeah, so the only caveat between the two is if you want TJ Warren, you can send Carson Edwards that way. But if you want to make the money work and you want to lose a little bit more money after Celtic salary, you can send out Vincent Poirier with Haywood to bring back Turner and McDermott. That would be the only difference is the supplemental guy leaving Boston. Yeah, I'm fine with either one. Um, and like Carson Edwards to me was a, you know, I get it. He's a, this is where being a contending team is, 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 uh, is such a – I love watching the team develop and grow. But it can be tough because I, I want a guy like Carson Edwards to have time and – and maybe some space to grow, right? A couple of years, but the Celtics want to win now. Uh, and he just wasn't very good, right? I think Tremont Waters showed that, you know, probably was more helpful and could be help, more helpful use than Carson was. Uh, so, you know, when he's not good that quickly, like, look, they're ready to move on from him already. That's, you know, it kind of sucks because you want to see young guys kind of developing it for the team. But Jason, Tat- uh, Jason Tatum's like supersonic evolution kind of sped everything up. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, with them actually getting somebody who could really score instead of somebody who's supposed to score like Carson Edwards. Yeah, and I wrote about Miles Turner's fit on the Celtics um, probably early, early end of last week. Uh, I went into it really low on Turner playing for Boston. I came out of it rather high. So I kind of talked myself into Miles Turner playing on the Celtics roster like through going through the film and watching what he does on defense and stuff. And the outlook I've got now is he's going to be the best center that's attainable compared to anyone else that Boston could be entertaining in free agency or that could be a filler on a Haywood deal. So if you're going to, if you're looking to pick up a big and you know Haywood wants that anyway, then Turner's going to be your best option at that five spot. Completely agree. Um, I mean, I could, there's other guys who are fine that would fit, right? You got some, there's a lot of, you can find a springy body, run and jump. That's fine. Catch LU, spot some shots. I like the fact that Miles Turner has the the shooting potential. Uh, I know, it, it, I, yeah, he's a, he's a shooter. He can shoot, so I would be fine with that. You know, I, I would really he'd, he'd be he'd be at the top of my wish list 
I feel like he's going to be the most attainable in a Hayward trade. And another guy that Boston was linked to earlier this week, I think it was Thursday. It was Thursday indeed, yeah, is Drew Holiday. And you've just mentioned him as well. You've mentioned that, you know, you feel like Kemba could be the guy to go over Hayward. Drew Holiday in a straight swap for Kemba makes sense in terms of money. I'm not sure how it makes sense in terms of fit. You're swapping out one point guard that's, you know, got developing knee issues. You've got a bit of size deficiency for another guard that's got a long career history of struggling in staying healthy and staying on the floor for a full season. How do you so feel about we, Drew? Are we, uh, what, what, what are we on this show here? What, what are, are we PG 13? Yeah. PG 13. Okay. I'll just keep it clean all the way. I, I was saying when I was borderline, but I said, don't push it James. The thought of Drew holiday for Canva direct swap excites me like almost obscenely because we were talking about Kemba just now and uh, his fit and his mentality. And that's great. On the court, Drew Holiday with the rest of the Celtics, you put him and Marcus Smart in the backcourt or him and Jason Tatum and Jalen, whoever, you have a defensive, like a, a, a defensive Cuisinart. It's like a blender. Like that's to me, it's like a, it's like a fever dream. I would love that so much. Um, Drew's like, he's well loved around the league. His leadership isn't, you know, they don't unquestioned leadership. Um, a vet for a team that, you know, that they kind of need a, a, a kind of strong vet. You can't pick on him defensively. I love it. I would love that fit. He's also a way better penetrator than Kemba Walker is. Finished around the rim um, with quite a considerable, uh, how can I word this? He finished around the rim a lot more easily than what Kemba did to due to that extra size. It took 553 attempts around the rim alone this season, just gone. Uh, can shoot the three quite well. I think he was about 4% worse from Kemba, but Kemba took probably three or four more shots a game. But I like that idea, and I feel like you said, the defense that he's going to bring if he came into this team would be phenomenal. Now, if you could pick up him, because my outlook on it is if if Hayward leaves, then Boston will look to move on from Kemba. That's kind of my outlook on this. It's a keep both or lose both kind of situation in my really? mind. Huh. I think so, because Kemba kind of expedites that whole first first wave timeline i've got it as you've got the jt and jb timeline and then the kemba walker and hayward timeline and they're trying to straddle between the both at the moment so my outlook is if hayward leaves then they try and move on from kemba and by doing that with drew you're saving 10 million dollars a year and you're saving a year an extra year because drew goes into a player option at the end of next season man i would uh so the money aside, because like I always say it's not my money, so I, I try not to count too much, but I get it. Boston's going to have some serious issues here soon with uh, J- you know Jalen's extension, and they got Jason's coming up, and then you got you know you, if you sure you, you get you move off of Gordon Hayward, but you got a a max contract in Kemba, so I get it. They have some serious money concerns coming up, and then if you talk about a guy like Miles Turner, that's another I think twenty mil. Um, so yeah, I I, I definitely. Kemba has more of a little razzle-dazzle, right? And I get it was a nice free agent. Uh, well, not a signing. I think, he, didn't he do a signing trade? Was a signing trade with him and... Uh, yeah, it was a double. Yeah, it was so, a- yeah, what, what free agent signing. He chose to come to Boston, and so that's great. Um, and people, a lot of people are saying, like, well, you know, after the way they treated Isaiah, which I still, you know, makes me kind of ill. I know why they did it, but I still don't like, you know, the optics of it sucks. After those optics, do they want to do like, you know, hey, Kemba signed, he's tapped, he's talking all this stuff, and then you just unceremoniously move him. But again, it's like, do you want to win the championship or do you want to, you know, score points with your fan base? 
So I think, uh, yeah, if you, if you have a chance to make a defensive upgrade like that, with, and it's only a pretty minor offensive downgrade, right? Kemba's a kind of a volume scorer, and Drew's a little more. He can he can give you thirty on a given night, but for the most part, you know, if he give you eighteen, you're good. So, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm with it. I'm with it for all the reasons you said, and it would just I have nightmares of watching Kemba getting picked on. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler in the mid post, just shooting over the top, and they just cut down the lane, and you know, everyone's and anybody at the rim with Kemba on him is a it's an easy bucket, and you know, watching him lose Tyler Hero and uh, what's his face over and over again uh defensively just kind of turn his head and they just cut to the corner to get wide open shots because Kemba's just not paying attention like I'm over that I'm already you know I love the guy but if you if, if Boston wants to be a serious contender which I, I think that they have the pieces kind of to be they they they, they can't have that kind of hole in their uh on their defensive end makes me the way you're talking makes it sound like uh and I'm not putting words in your mouth here so point me out if I'm wrong but if Kemba stays in Boston, do you not feel like they're uh, capable of winning a championship? I, I, they, it's just the the margin for error is so so small. Um, so, and what, what I don't get when they had Isaiah Thomas, they did uh, him and Al Horford. Al Horford and Marcus Smart did a lot of scram switches, right? Where they would see a, a guy get down, get Isaiah down in the uh, in the paint and have his hand up, and they'll just pre-switch. Like somebody would come in and kick Isaiah out and take the man. And somehow Boston just didn't do that. I don't know what was going on in that series. So you got to just you just have to play on such a string when you have a you have a a subpar defender, a small defender that it it puts such a strain on the other four guys. Maybe you can win a championship like that, but I don't think that the Celtics, as constructed, could. Maybe you had them with a guy like LeBron James, right? Uh, you have them with a guy like Kawhi Leonard, you could find a way. Jason Tatum is really good, but he's not at that level. And, you know, the, if you had a guy like maybe Anthony Davis stalking the back line, playing help side defense, maybe, and, you know, or Rudy Gobert, and Boston just doesn't have that. So, yeah, you, you got, your guys have to be able to guard. Uh, that's one thing about Boston, right? The, their strength when, they, when they're at their best, all five guys are guarding and they're very switchable. And having a guy like Kemba, just, it just really kind of lowers the, lowers the ceiling a little bit. So if Boston could turn around this offseason and turn Hayward into, say, Miles Turner and TJ Warren and turn Kemba Walker into Drew Holiday, do you think that's a, an exceptional offseason for them, regardless of what happens with the picks? That is an outstanding offseason. Because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, as far as the young, like whoever they draft, let's be real. It's very rare that a rookie comes in and makes an impact to help immediately. Like, even the little flashes we saw of Romeo Langford being a good defender just shocked everybody because that's not what you usually see from rookies. So I'll, whatever they do with the pick is going to be good long-term and down the road. But as far as for next season, I don't think it's going to really make too much impact. So, yes, if they, if they could somehow – if they did what you just said, that's my dream offseason, and I, I, I'm really excited to see what Boston The next one we've got up on this docket for conversational topics is two-way guys. So because of the way the season's going this year, I don't know if you've seen, but they've changed the way two-way contracts will work this year. So uh, I haven't seen it. Wait, go ahead. Give me the lowdown. Okay, so usually a two-way is a 45-day limit um, with the actual NBA team, and the rest has to be spent with the G League affiliate. And those 45 days can be training days. It can be traveling days. It's just 45 days total. And you can split that up by calling them up and sending them down whenever you choose to. 
This year, it's going to be just 50 flat games. So a player, a two-way guy can be with a team for 50 games of the season. And then we'll be, I'm assuming as usual, will be, will be ineligible during the playoffs. Because of that, if a team wants to take an extended look at a guy that they've had on a two-way before, they can re-extend a new two-way offer and basically have them as an additional guy for the majority of the season. With Taco and um, Tremont both restricted free agents at this point at this, this juncture, would you expect either of them to get offered a new two-way and spend the majority of the year with Boston trying to at least earn, you know, for four to seven minutes a night? I mean, I really like Tremont Waters. I, I know uh, I watched a lot of his G League highlights last year, and he's a heady player. He's like he's really he's just small, you know. He works hard on defense. Um, he can shoot. He, he has a pretty good feel for when to pass and when to shoot. He's just small, and I mean, I, I'm fine with him as a backup point guard. We know Boston kind of wrote he kind they kind of shuffle through backup point guards. Uh, it's you no, know, it's was it, it's our guy Brad uh, this year. What's his name? Uh, I'm a little soft-headed today. The back of Wanamaker. Wanamaker. Yeah. And then uh, a couple years ago, who was it? It was um whatever. So, yes. They, they Phil Pressy. Who's that? Phil Pressy? Yeah. No, that's somebody else. Uh, Whatever. Either way, Wanamaker's <laughs> fine. Uh, and he's probably, he's probably gone, right? He's not going to be coming back this year. I'd um, be shocked if he did come back. Right. So, yeah, they, they like the journeyman who can kind of play and whatever. But they, they need to kind of – if they can groom one – a guy like Tremont Waters to be the the like the full time kind of backup that'd be pretty cool. I I get he's small, but at least he he works pretty hard on defense. So um, as far as Taco Fall, hey, it's a fun story. I know everyone loves him. I love the guy. It's fun and it's cool to see him come in and blow out like the human victory cigar. But um, yeah, I, I'd be kind of surprised they they went through that whole shtick again this year. So yeah, I've been so negative on Taco. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe Tremont, but yeah, Tacos again. He's fun out. He's like a really nice guy, but yeah, I, he he probably the one to not come back. Yeah, I feel guilty, man, because I've been really negative on him. I spent most of the year telling people how he was the least talented player in the entire league, um, which I still stand by. I, I'm not gonna. No. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change my stance this far into kind of. I'm ready to die on that hill just because you know you can't teach height, but everything else that you can teach, he he seems to lack. So I'm not. I wouldn't be a very big fan of them bringing back Taco. I'd rather them use a two-way on. You know, maybe try and pick up. Um, have you heard of a guy called Jay Scrub? I mean, I know that TLC said they don't want no scrubs. So if TLC says it, then I'm saying it too. <laughs> so Jay Scrub right. is um, a draft prospect this year, slowly rising up the ranks. But um, he's a community college guy. He plays ball in community college. Uh, to my knowledge, he's going to be the first guy drafted directly out of community college if he gets picked this year. I thought Sean Kemp did that. Did Sean Kemp do that? I thought he did. I'm going to Google this. But anyway, while I'm Googling this, just to check this, you know, he's this guy's crazy athletic, dude. He can, uh, he's got a decent left hand. He's jumping out the gym. He's really, but again, it's community college. So you have to take that into account with the level of competition. But if you've, if you've got an opportunity to try and nurture a guy who's crazy athletic, that's coming out of community college, or you can, Spend another year of development on Taco. Which way are you going to go? I would definitely go for an impact. I'm looking at this Jay Scrub guy, six six, good NBA uh, physique already. Looks like. I, I mean, I I would definitely go with that. What happened to our guy Javante Green? You know, um, so yeah, Tacos. Like I said, I get it. It's fun and people love him, but it's winning time now. Uh, it's not Taco time. So 
I, I would I would be fine going for uh, taking a flyer on a guy like Jay Scrub. At least, you know, 20 points, eight rebounds. Yeah, the kid can fill it up at a Juco, see what he can do in the league. You are correct as well. Sean Kemp was drafted out of Juco. Yep. Uh, that's what a, a defunct NBA blogger knows. All kind of nonsense. Yeah, dude, that was not even on my radar. I did, this Jay Scrub to me, I'm just like, dude, the surname befits the level of competition he's had all year. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess my thing with my thing with uh, Jay Scrub. So you you'd want to bring him on a two way and you know have him come up a little bit. I guess the thing is like the roster crunch in Boston right now because uh, you know Romeo Langford is going to be coming back and I he deserves some time with from you know his, this is draft status and the, the flash he showed. Um, so but yeah, I mean, hey, I, I always say you can't have too many wings. And I think they kind of proved it in, uh, you know, the Heat got to the finals with a bunch of switchable kind of six, 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 seven, six, eight guys. Uh, Boston did so well last year with the same. So yeah, I'm I'm with it. Yeah, especially on a two way where he's not really taking a roster spot, and you can just leave him in Maine to kind of build himself up that way. It just it seems like a decent pick late in the second round if if you're just trying to swing for defenses on at least one of these guys. Everybody wants a break. Yeah, like you say, Javante Green's got got into the league of crazy athleticism. So that leaves us on the draft. It was a good segue. I kind of planned it that way. It's a couple more days away. I've been very fortunate to be on some of these draft media guys, and uh, they all seem really well polished in terms of the way they they speak. By well, the majority, I will say, seem well polished in the way they speak to the media. Boston have three picks. Oh, super unlikely they use all three. But are there any guys that you've got your eye on that you're like, hey, if he if he lands in Boston, they're going to be okay. Um. So let's full disclosure. And I'll tell anybody like my draft uh, prep for this was about 15 minutes because you sent me some names to look at because honestly I just haven't been following the draft stuff. Like it's it's a little too much for me. Also, because the world's on fire, and uh, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know if you've heard, but we just had a big election, so my mind was elsewhere. Um, oh, I definitely heard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but we got a little bit of a political turmoil going on over here. So, um, no, but I appreciate you because I asked you, hey, you know, give me some names of guys who might be in the Celtics draft range, and you threw me some names. So I did some looking. Um, you know, I think you're trying to, you're trying to be, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to be modest right now, but you, I know you know your stuff here. But um, so let's. Do you want to talk about the guys one by one that you sent me, or do you want me just to give you a rundown of what I saw real quick? I think the best way would be if you've watched a bit, like a, even a couple of minutes on each. Which was the guy that really caught your eye? So who caught my eye? That kid. Uh, so I kind of thought that Patrick Williams guy at first, right? He has a big NBA body, six eight. Looks like he he could some guard some you know threes and fours, and that's fine, but. The issue with him, which was really strange to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, he doesn't really have quick feet. And when you switch him out, like uh, they sh- I was watching this a little highlight video, I, 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 he was getting like just exploded by by all point guards and two guards. Like one little head and shoulders fake, and he was done. Like his, his lateral movement was kind of was real weird for a guy so athletic. But that one kid with the goggles, uh, just, he looks Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yeah. So he made me think a little bit of Miles Turner, not quite as uh, twitchy, a little bit like more stout than than a young Miles Turner. Miles Turner's kind of bulked up already. He's starting to get an NBA body. But um, yeah, yeah, he can shoot. Um, he's a good finisher. Uh, you know, he's good. going up high, he runs the floor really well. 
I guess my thing with that is if we're talking Boston, uh, Robert Williams, right? It's supposed to be the heir apparent. Like, what? How many more product projects can you take at at, at center? I watched everyone you sent me. That guy Kira Lewis. He he looks. He reminds me. He has shades of uh shades of John Morant. Not quite as explosive, but you know he's really fast. But I'm he's six three. I'm I'm fine. I'm good with that, man. I'm I'm tired of six three is a good, pretty good size, but I'm no. If he's not shooting lights out, his shot X look decent too, but I'm good. Tyrese Maxey, uh, he reminds me a little bit of kind of De'Aaron Fox, not as fast. Uh, I'm I'm good. That uh, Okongwu kid, yeah, he, he looks like uh, he's he might be the perfect kind of rim running, shot blocking. You know, he's six ten, but he I, you know, I saw a couple of steals he made, just great timing and getting on the open floor and you know finishing over the top of people. That's pretty cool. What's, what's the guy's precious? Uh, precious, what's his last name? Precious Chua. Yeah, precious. Uh, he looked kind of like a maybe a, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, like maybe an inferior version of a Congo, you know, just like yeah, he, pretty he's much. Big. Yeah, he's fat. He's like, no, he looks, he's 6'10, and he, he'll probably get a role in the NBA and have, you know, a nice, maybe a nice journeyman career, but nothing I'd want to, you know, I, I, I wasn't that impressed. So yeah, if out of all those guys, uh, I'd say probably Jalen Smith is the one guy that probably could really help the Celtics. You know, maybe a little bit this year and in the future. All the rest of like those guards are just some some guards. They're gonna you know get shots in the NBA, but there's a million of those guys kind of running around the NBA. Um, oh, and the shooter, what's the kid's name? Um, Malachi Flynn. He just he's just remind he's just too small. He reminds me a lot of. Um, What's on I mean, the kid? The guy the Kings drafted, and every year it's like, oh, they did draft. He, he was great at, at BYU. What's his name? That the Kings drafted. I should know this. My co host, uh, yeah, Kings, man, but... yeah. Uh, the, the little white guy, I hate to say it like that, but yeah, he, he was a <laughs> uh, for that. Jimmer for that. Jimmer for that. There we go. Wasn't but, that the Knicks? Uh, uh, he, I think he, no, it's the Kings know. that picked him. Yeah, I know Jimmer for that. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, so for that, like, right, great, great college shooter explosive awesome they got to the pros and it's, they're like what gets got my face so um i i hope Malachi Flynn a long and healthy career and i hope that he's his shooting translates and he gets a he gets a shot i don't want to give him a shot with boston i'm tired of undersized just like guards in boston so the thing is on super high on jalen smith as well um he's projecting to go around about 19 between 19 and 22 so my outlook on it is if you can trade 26 and 30 to get up into that 19 to 21 range and pick up Jalen Smith, then you have him and Robert Williams as your tan- your big man tandem, one that can stretch the floor with vertical spacing and another one that can shoot lights out. Both of them are ridiculously athletic around the rim. I feel like switching those guys in and out, you're not you're adding something new each time one of them steps onto the floor and they could work well as a one and two punch coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, I love Daniel Tice. I love what he brings. I think, you know, just because of the way the season ended, I think people might have a bad taste in their mouth because, you know, but Bam is Bam. Bam's an all star. And, and I think maybe, uh, we saw a little fatigue from Daniel Tice around the end where he, he was, he's so, but, um, long term, he's probably not the answer, right? I mean, he's, he's good and he's really good. But, uh, yeah, I would Yeah, he's aging too. Things. Yeah. He's getting on a little bit now, Tice. Um, I think he's only 29, dude. Yeah, Tyson but when pretty... you look at, like, um, you know, you want Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, I'm just kind of looking For sure. At, you know, For sure, you're right. Them guys hitting their 
prime, you're going to have like a 33-year-old Tice at that point. Yeah, it's a, and it's funny though, and we're talking about this, and talent-wise, it makes sense. But when you're talking about roster construction, like you know, can you have Tice for eight million dollars a year versus you know having to pay Robert Williams twelve or fifteen, and then this other guy in a couple of years you're going to be paying him if they if they pan out and they're good, you know what I mean? Because Tice eight million a year for Tice is a lot. He'll start a quality center, and he worked. So it's 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 fascinating the things that Ainge has to worry about. You know, it's not just so much as the best talent, you know, price be damned because it's it's his uh, his owner's money. They can't just spend willy nilly. So it is tough. Another guy I was really high on up until I saw his media day availability was uh, was a Kangaroo. Uh, in terms of play style, he's the best fit for Boston. I had spent. Do you know who Spencer Perlman is? Have you seen him around no. on Twitter? Uh, so he was a draft advisor to the Suns last year. And then this year, he's a draft advisor to a couple of NBA agents uh, for where their clients should be going in the draft. So he knows this draft class inside and out. He was like, a is the best fit for the Celtics. He'd walk in as their starting center tomorrow and no one would be able to dislodge him that's already on the roster. Okongwu? Yeah. Huh, interesting. And then I, then I was lucky enough to be on the Zoom media meeting with Okongwu. <laughs> and he got asked this one question and I was just like, this is, he's going to have a real rude awakening when he gets into the NBA. So somebody oh, no. said to him, like, um, you're known for your defense. This I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. Uh, you're known for your defense. When you go into the NBA, what part of your defense are you going to need to improve on to be able to make that transition as easy as possible? And he, like, screwed up his face, a kangaroo did, and he's like, defense. He's like, nah, man, I'm solid on defense. I already feel like I'm going to be able to bang with the biggest guys and stay in front of the shiftiest and quickest and best guards in the league at right now. And I was like, dude, you're going to get so torn up once you get into that league if that's the mentality you're going in with. Oh, boy. Um, so here's the thing, though. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of disagree a little bit because, like, if there's an offensive player saying, hey, I think I can score on anybody right now, right, we, we would love that kind of uh, bravado. So I'm going to give him props for at least, you know, speaking it out there but like you said though i guess a lot of a lot of vets are going to read that and say okay and they're going to take it to him so hey you, you sink or swim on your words either he's going to look like you know you it's the difference between confidence and arrogance either you're gonna be like wow that kid was really confident and there's a reason why or you're gonna say huh he was arrogant and now he's getting his you know they're rubbing his face in it so uh, yeah man i i actually like that kind of bravado i like that when players are like hey i'm good and i'm gonna show it now, if they don't show it, then they're going to get ridiculed. But that's part of the game, right? Game is a game. I like it when they're saying that and they go to a different team. <laughs> <laughs> you can annoy as many people as you want if you're not playing on the team that I'm watching every every single game of. If you come into Boston and you've said that, and we've just spent a year of watching Boston get beat off pick and rolls and some backdoor. I mean, they got beat backdoor so many times during the playoffs. So many times, dude. It's so annoying. It's, I love J- like Jalen Brown's my guy. I don't know if you've seen. I was calling my large adult son. Him and Marcus Smart, and both of them, uh, as good as they both were at times, so many times in the playoffs, just little things they were doing that just uh, backdoor, cuts that. J- backdoor cuts of Jalen Brown's kryptonite, and uh, and Marcus Smart, he he got a little too full of himself on offense in the playoffs. So I remember Toronto. I think it was game two or game three. 
they got three successive baskets off backdoor cuts, just one after the other. And by the third, I was I was heated, man. It was uh it was quite tough to watch. And it's little things like that that if a Kangaroo came into Boston and he gets beat after saying what he said in that interview, I'm gonna be like, you shouldn't have been talking, man. Yeah, it, it is the game is a game. As you come in as a rookie talking that they're gonna come at you, so that pretty much wraps us up, James. Is there anything you want to cover before we get you up on out of here? Um, I, I mean, I guess I got a question for you then. Um, I'm gonna say this for me personally. Last season was one of my most enjoyable Celtic seasons in recent memory because you know we, we, we don't have to rehash the Kyrie debacle those years. Hey, it happens. The bad luck of Gordon Hayward last year. Watching Jalen and Jason was so much fun. But then watching them get so close to the finals and then come up short, uh, with for reasons, understandable reasons, but it, you know everyone has bad luck. Moving forward, how do you feel about the team? And and is it? It's it's weird how it's kind of like almost le- not not less enjoyable. So always enjoyable having team expectations, but now it's not just fun and games, right? So like, how do you feel about that? Look, I'm really optimistic about this team's future. The only thing, and a lot of people disagree with me on what I'm about to say, but, you know, it's the same as players, right? You live and die by your words. So the one thing I would change is I would like them to embrace one of the two timelines. I feel like at the moment they're trying to be quite crafty with the way they're developed within this roster, having some younger guys and then a few older vets. And I get you need vets, but I would much rather the vets be one or two year deals ring chasing locker room presence rather than you know Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward long term I feel like this team's got championship quality in terms of Brown and and Tatum my biggest question is does Marcus Smart have a long-term role on that roster just because of the contract he's got and the timing of when his contract is up for renewal and I think that's another reason why if you want to keep Marcus Smart around you need to start looking at moving on from Hayward and Walker within the next 18 months Interesting. Um, I've already said if they trade Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, I'm going to riot. So uh, I think Smart has to be part of this team, man. Like, which is weird because I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, there's some times in the playoffs. I know Marcus Smart giveth, he taketh away. He took away some. Like, some of those early threes in the shot clock, you know, those are like just as bad as a turnover. And against the Heat, they're, they were just backbreakers they just it hurt so bad um hopefully next year they all come back with a kind of reset right all right all right smart we, you had a bigger role because you know gordon hayward's out let's get you back into your super sub role um yeah man I, i'm very optimistic too i just think the playoffs show that there's a there's just there's a margin a lot of it's not even about physical talent or on the on court like skill. It's it's really about attitude and mentality. And Boston just kind of wilted when while the Heat just got, you know, tougher and tougher. And that's where I think the vets come in, and that's where they they need a uh, a guy like I think a, maybe a Drew Holiday. Maybe I don't know who they need, but it's not Marcus Smart because he's you know he's he's a heart and soul, but he just he's never been there either. Right. So you got it's just it's something I'm with you. I don't know if it's Gordon Hayward. I don't know if it's Kemba because, you know, that they they don't they didn't seem to have it. But I think you need more of a vet that's just a a role player. You kind of need some somebody who can like really bear down and get the guys, hold guys accountable. Yeah, I I put a tweet out about 
six to eight weeks ago now saying like uh, we're just a picture of Gerald Wallace sitting on the bench and I know that contract was terrible I get it but the locker room presence that he bought if you could bring someone like that in and obviously a much more affordable contract now that's going to chew guys out when they're making stupid plays and it's going to really get on guys cases when they're not performing properly once they're back in the locker room that to me is worth a, a vet minimum for a year more than it is picking up I don't know, picking up Campbell Walker when we don't know what what he's going to be in two years because of the way his knees are kind of degenerating now. That worries me because they haven't gave him an operation, which means it's not structural. It's more like age and wear and tear, which is a problem. So, yeah, I mean, I'd much rather them embrace the Brown, Tatum, Smart timeline and then get some ring-chasing, role-playing vets in. That makes far more sense to me. And then just for money-wise, you've got Marcus Smart being an unrestricted free agent in 2022, which is the year after J- Jason Tatum's extension, whatever he gets, kicks in. And a year before Kemba's off the books, it just makes sense to start embracing one of the two timelines at this point. I mean, let's be real. We know what Jason Tatum's going to get. We absolutely know he's going to get paid. Yeah. He's getting that. They're, they're just going to sign, hey, man, blank check, much as you can get, let's fill you up. So... And he's worth every penny. And like, but like, I get it because like, it's definitely, it's weird because you got, you can almost see the interplay sometimes with Tatum. Like, he, you know, he's the man. We know he is. Like, that's the thing. But then they they kept sometimes they go to Kemba a few times because like that's what he's there for. And yeah, so it's it's I I feel you as far as hey man, if you're gonna turn the keys over, turn the keys over, and you know, Kemba's probably not the guy to be the third option. So. It sucks though because he is young. He's not young. He is one like ridiculously charismatic. Everybody likes Kemba, but it is one of those. Oh, you broke, you broke up a little bit there. Oh, sorry. I said he's just ridiculously charismatic. Uh, yeah, but, I love him. I love the charisma and I love the leadership. Like he was exactly what Boston needed after just like that 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 weird season from two seasons ago, right? But is he what? I just don't know, and I don't say I won't say he, he can't be. I just don't. He he makes the margin of error so much slimmer, as far as uh, you know, if Boston wants to be a a, a title team, a, a final team. I mean, the question you've got to ask yourself is: Is Kemba Walker worth another what seventy million in guaranteed money over the next two years? Uh, that's the thing. He's worth the money. To, I'm not saying he's not worth the money. It's just that, like you put him on a team like uh, Orlando, right? 25 a night. He's going to improve that team. Max kind of player. I just don't know if to, to Boston, right. You're right. It's, I don't know if to Boston, he's worth that money, especially when we see that they have scoring on the wings that can, you know, and you know, it's, it's, he takes so much off the table defensively, man. It sucks. <laughs> so guys, you've been listening to the Celtics blog podcast. Remember that after I tweet out this podcast, I'm going to tweet out that treat. I'm going to tweet out that bill russell article from james you can where can they find you james uh just find me on twitter and instagram at snotty dripping it's an homage to the great scotty pippen um and you'll see a lot of pictures of air air max and hats and funky t-shirts and some occasional basketball opinions all right guys you'll catch us again on wednesday when i'm hoping i find brendan don't know where he is i'm gonna have to text him he's scared he's running from me he's been uh he's been vanished for a a while now so i need to catch up with this dude right thank you again for jumping on james it's been a pleasure bro anytime thanks for having me on